0: Hey Peter, how are you? How's your lightning talk going? Um, I just wanted to know if you're using Google Slides or Keynote for tomorrow. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I did not know that I was giving a lightning talk tomorrow. Out of beta, the Out of Beta podcast, Out of Beta
1: FM. So we got a name. We do have a name. Thank you for discovering our name. <laughs> what do you think about it? I like it. I like it. I think it is growing on me. Um, I. Was a little disappointed when I found out that there was another out of beta, never out of beta podcast in the Apple, uh, went into the Apple search, but it looks like they recorded two episodes in 2016 or something and then gave up. So we should quickly crush them in all search results. (laughs) Yeah. We already had a few downloads
0: from the last two
1: episodes. uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think we're close to 500.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yep. That's not too bad for
1: the first two episodes. No, I mean, it felt, felt really good. Uh, your tweet got a lot of traction. I'm going to tweet it out um, to my followers in a direct uh, tweet as well. Once we have some buttons that apparently people really care about you having on your podcast pages. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah. So apparently we're still, uh, we're still being reviewed by
1: iTunes. Yeah. Apple, you know, and this is, this is all stuff we kind of learned on the fly, isn't it? Um, Apple yeah. has a podcast review process and it's, um, not surprisingly as painful as getting an app approved. Um, but you know, app, it's, it's a, it's a big podcast. They're not a very, you know, it's a small company. Um, I can understand it takes a long time for them <laughs> to to do this stuff. Um, I'm sure somebody has to stop working on the next iPad to listen to our podcast. So, you know,
0: maybe they just got really caught up.
1: Yeah, they're busy. They're really busy guys. (laughs) So soon. How are you this week? I'm, I'm good. I am uh, insanely busy. Um, And the reason is I'm going on vacation on Tuesday. And I have a list that is a mile long of personal to do's and, a list that's maybe a quarter mile long of uh, work commitments that I have made that I want to finish before I go. Um, so that's been, it's been hectic. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Uh-huh. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, just lots of things. And we just got a dog. So on top of having a new startup, I also have a, a new dog. And anyone that's had a dog knows that they are not like cats and they require a lot more uh care training and attention at different times so um it's been yeah it's it's been a real uh pleasure (laughs) and roller coaster (laughs) is the dog going on vacation as well Uh, that was one of the things we had to figure out so we decided not to Um, Because he is a rescue and he's super sweet once you get to know him, but he has not been trained yet. He didn't get that good start that a lot of dogs get. Um, So he needs that first. And so rather than take him on a 4,000 mile trip with a lot of new people and locations and everything, we're actually going to um, board him with a trainer who will spend all 12 days just helping him learn all those skills. And then when we get back, she will uh, hand Kobe back off to us and uh, teach us things, and he will be probably ready for the next one. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. But you know, even coordinating that, it's it's extra meetings. So um, yeah. But yeah. but I I am happy with the progress. How about you? How's um how's WordCamp in Berlin?
0: Uh, apparently Berlin is like the warmest place on earth. And. Um... R- And I'm in a (laughs) penthouse hotel room, and I had to close the windows for the noisy street. And I had to shut off the fan as well. There's not even air conditioning where I am. So the thing is, the venue where WordCamp is uh, was sold out when I booked my ticket, because there's 3,000 people going for the conference. Wow. Um, So I had to find... I basically just booked the nearest hotel that was available. Um, And it's not it's not air conditioned is one thing. And then there's a few other thing things. Yeah. (laughs) Could have been better. Um, That's rough. Yeah. 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 It's okay. That's incredible. uh, Uh, I'll open the windows once we get off this (laughs) podcast.
1: (laughs) All right. Cool. We're (laughs) going to make make you sweat through this one. Um, Yeah. Awesome. Um, And the conference is going well. You had a lightning, you had a lightning talk, right?
0: Uh yeah, so technically that was another conference. WordCamp is not uh, starting until tomorrow. Um, but Got it. The lightning tong was at uh, another conference called Hosting Camp. Um, so basically, I only have a manager update this week because uh, I haven't built really been making anything. So maybe I should just go straight into that because the main manager thing I did was going to a conference. <laughs> go ahead. Um. So what happened was that um, the conference was yesterday, and the day before that, um, I'm in the airport in Copenhagen on my way to Berlin, and uh, right before I'm about to board the plane, I check my Twitter DMs, and uh, there's a message <laughs> from the one of the organizers of that conference, um, just to like set up what kind of conference it is. It's it's called Host Camp. It's a small invite only. Um, conference for leaders in the WordPress hosting space um, and if you're wondering what I was doing there uh, we're, it's understandable <laughs> um, but uh, I was invited and uh, I was very curious to talk to all these hosting companies because it's it's actually pretty relevant for a product company like me to see how we can integrate with those hosting companies um, but I got this Twitter DM and it said Something along the lines of, hey, Peter, how are you? How's your lightning talk going? Um, I just wanted to know if you're using Google Slides or Keynote for tomorrow. And I was like, (laughs) oh, (laughs) I did not know that I was giving a lightning talk tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) fantastic. Um, But I mean, it's like five minutes, so I could probably put something together, um, even though the audience is a little bit intimidating. So, um, yeah, basically in the airport. And then once I got to Berlin, I threw a, f- a few slides together and I sent it over. And uh, it went all right. Um, I spoke about the branch manifesto a little bit. And they, w- they didn't have any ch- uh, like time to for questions or anything like that. So I basically just got to speak and then leave the stage. So that made it easier. Yeah.
1: yeah. The Lightning Talk is a format that, uh, is pretty legendary in some circles. Was it the kind of lightning talk I'm thinking of where um, obviously very compressed on time and did the slides advance automatically?
0: No, it wasn't the
1: Pecha Kucha,
0: or whatever it's called, where they just, like, the slides, um, you had like 20 slides in 20 sec- uh, 20 second for each slide or whatever. Um, you, you, like, the format was kind of loose, but you had five minutes and you only had five minutes, and there was five people speaking in a row.
1: Okay. And um, yeah. So so hard stop. Um,
0: yeah. Got it. But uh, it was uh, it went well, I think. Good. For for the circumstance, and uh, it was a pretty interesting conference as well. I, I made some good connections, I think. Um, especially one of the talks there was extremely relevant to what I do. So uh, Chris Lemma, who's a really famous. Person in the WordPress community, uh, he spoke about bundling, how, like his experience as someone who's a product person at a hosting company, uh, his experience with bundling other products together with hosting, uh, and it's not something I've really thought about a lot with WP Pusher, but actually it's it's kind of relevant I think because a lot of hosting companies are already uh, recommending recommending WP Pusher to their customers when they're asking for how to do deployments with uh, from GitHub. And um, I feel like the next step, like the next step could be to have a formal bundling deal or something like that. So it's something I, I wanna look into a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, Some, something that I was thinking about, uh, as you said, the number of people that were coming to the WordCamp conference was, um, the percentage of web traffic—I'm not sure if it's traffic or websites that is that are hosted by WordPress. It is, it is gigantic.
0: Yeah, it's a third of all websites. A
1: third, yeah, yeah. This at thirty-four percent. So, um, yeah, you have a, yeah. you have a big market, Pete. I do. <laughs> and, uh,
0: but yeah, so far it's going well. I had—I uh, was invited out for dinner by someone at a hosting company last night. I had some good chat's there. And then tonight I'm going, I think, to like a big agency meetup with like 70 people from various agencies. And then tomorrow is the the actual conference, which is going to be really cool as well. So yeah, that's what I've been up to.
1: Cool, cool. On on the bundling side, it's an interesting thought because I think you have to decide, the manager in you has to decide uh, kind of where in the value chain branch fits. And whether or yeah. not, you know, you want to be that direct touch to the customer and user, end user um, at all times, or if uh, what you're talking about here makes more sense. And I think um, with the scale you're talking about, yeah, it kind of remains to be seen. Yeah,
0: it's something to think about. I think the bundling would make more sense for WP pusher than it would for branch. And in general, something I have to think about a lot is how much time I want to spend on WP pusher. Like if and if I want to spend any time on it at all, actually, because all the time I spend on WP Pusher is taken away from building branch. So,
1: yeah, interesting, cool. So how about you? Uh, yeah, on the on the maker side. Um, this, this is so we're recording on a Thursday. This is more of a maker week for me, and that was the intention. Um, I was. Um, very focused on making the, uh, so, so I have two, two paying customers and two trialing customers. And on Tuesday afternoon, uh, central time, I'm here in Austin, Texas, I had a onboarding call with um, trialing customer number two. And I spent, um, I think a little bit of time Sunday night maybe, um, although I really don't do that too much these days. Uh, and then certainly all day Monday and part of Tuesday, getting this account set up, or uh, rather, you know, writing the code that I need to have to make that account work and, and have everything that they need. And I'm very happy to say that uh, that call went really well. Uh, he loved it. Um, and he's going to be using SimSAS for his Q3 planning. And the company is um, of, of pretty decent size. So I think the other part that really made me happy is that it's a tool that can create value, apparently, for a company that's much farther along than my initial assumptions were around kind of the market fit for the product. So I think that means the market is a little bit bigger on the high end than I expected, um, which was, yeah, also really good validation. I mean, to put it in a little bit of light, they they don't have a chief financial officer yet. Um, They're very growth oriented and minded. And so my contact is essentially their growth leader um, and he is uh, they, they've got a, a team. We're talking about dozens of employees. So it was uh, it was really great to get that set up to have that positive reaction. You know, to end the call was saying, you know, are you happy? And his trial ends on July first. So um, I think I will have my third paying customer in uh, a week or two. Nice. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, and I'm trying to think. In the last couple of days, I shifted gears and. Uh, moved over to, <laughs> right as I was doing that, um, I got a, a message from a, a prospect. So um, not trialing yet, but a, somebody who wants to get a trial and they're an investor and they are very interested in how the SimSAS can be used f- um, by an investor. So I said, you know what, right? As soon as I get this done, I'm going to launch a, a investor edition or investor mode of the product. And I'd already had 98% of it built um, it was really, it was actually something that I had developed early on um, from the from the data modeling and architecture side, but I, I basically hid all the UI because, mm. uh, yeah, I, I just didn't want to deal with it and confuse my early adopters with it, um, who are all going to be founders. So, I created a branch <laughs> in Git uh, working on investor mode, and then yesterday I got help from uh, from uh, one of the tiny seed um, mentors to get that pushed out Uh, i'm willing to admit that i I, i'm new to a lot of devops stuff so i but i I was able to merge that back into master get investor mode live and uh and and um that investor logged in and uh she loved it so her her initial reaction was this is awesome and (laughs) investors are going to love this and uh, they also know already that i'm going to be asking for a credit card number as soon as it's um as soon as I start talking to them about, you know, daily usage of the product. So, and they're okay with that. So I should have my uh, next trialing customer pretty soon here. That's awesome, man. Go get them. Thank you. (laughs) So (laughs) one by one, one by one. So the manager was a little bit put on pause, uh, this week maker in full swing. And I'm trying to finish strong here by getting that investor mode, a little better shape, doing a little refactoring, um, after the initial introduction that needs to be done so that I can go on vacation and know that <laughs> it's solid and, and have a plan for uh, next month. So um, yeah, feeling, feeling good on the maker side. Um, assuming I can get all these other personal things done before this vacation, I'll feel really good. Nice. And
0: then just before our call, you made me think a little bit, cause you sent me a, a blog post from intercom that you you thought would be interesting to kind of use as a way to think about our own businesses.
1: Do you want to share what the the blog post was? Sure. Sure. Yeah, this is, and and it just resonated with me a lot, (laughs) which is why it was last minute, but it resonated a lot because very recently, really over the last week, I have been challenging myself to figure out a good, Work cadence. And when I say that, I'm thinking about, yes, you know, from a daily standpoint, I'm an early riser, get up early, you know, work hard on stuff, deep work, you know, and then take care of all the little errands and tasks and things um, in the afternoon. That's been my general pattern, but I'm thinking now more about um, how do I organize my work on a uh, multi week basis? And so that could be, you know, multiple weeks within a month, um, certainly. Or maybe just every other week. And so anyway, that th- this is my frame of mind. And then I read the article and it was the uh, sen- senior VP of product over there, um, Paul Adams. And he just wrote about... So you were searching I- I- for this? I've been... Yeah. I've been um, enamored with Intercom's just product philosophy for a number of years, ever since I heard Desk Trainer talk at a uh, business and software conference. And they just seem to be really smart when it comes to product management. And part of that is product with capital p thinking about spending time doing the things that aren't development and i had been thinking about design you know design is definitely a phase designing the solution is definitely a phase you need to do before you start writing code but what i really like about the article is he talks about actually before we even design we spend just as much time thinking about the problem that we're trying to solve like And the way that manifests in a practical way is how do we really define the problem? What is the problem we're solving uh, with this Mm. solution? Then we design the right solution. Then we write the code to build it, test it, deploy it and announce it. And I was like, wow, you know, it's a bit of a eureka moment for me because it's like, yes, that is the step before design. And I think this is something that is in, waterfall methodologies and agile methodologies and elsewhere it, it is a phase um of problem definition this is not new but i really like the way he described um or really the way he insists on them doing that <laughs> even at a company that has yeah. tons of deadlines and goals and everything else Like, no no no, we're going to slow down and we're going to just talk through the problem and whether or not we really understand the problem first so um yeah, I thought it would be interesting for us uh, to link it in the show notes, <laughs> but also to um, talk through, you know, what, what is the problem that Branch is solving? Um, if it's not the grandiose, you know, single problem, what are the problems that you've defined that it's solving? And then same thing for SimSass.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I read the article and I thought about how, and it's not something I've thought about before, really, but I think, I mean, with Branch, I'm in kind of a unique situation in terms of what the problem I'm trying to solve is um, for two reasons. And the one is that basically, I've been running WP Pusher for about four years and it's solving a very small problem that's part of the problem that branch is solving. Um, So I was solving a small part of people's problems and then they would always be asking like, okay, so now we solve this, but how do we solve this other problem? Or can you help us with uh, this thing over here? Um, So over those four years, I've gotten a lot of inputs (laughs) from people um, describing basically what they need. And that puts me in a unique situation to basically add on to what I already have and have a pretty good idea about how many people need different things i guess and then the other thing is that building something like a continuous integration tool um so like continuous integration continuous delivery continuous deployment are all um they're all pretty well described in academia in like computer science and it management and stuff like that um, and i have a background from Uh, business school where i studied computer science and business so actually i'm very familiar with all of these things and and they're pretty well described in academia so it's it's very like i don't actually i don't have to come up with like as a description of how they solve the problem because there's like ton of stuff written about this already that is pretty well acknowledged um And then I think, of course, I need to communicate that to someone who's maybe less technical than me, or like less academic, maybe. But it's kind of a unique situation to be in. So basically, I think my job is to take something that I know pretty well, and that's also well described in academia, and then basically translate it into something that makes a lot of sense for WordPress developers, and maybe, of course, I need to talk to them and understand what part of the problem that they care about most. But yeah, I just I don't I just it just made me think that it's a it's a pretty unique situation that I'm in actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. He talks about um, the amount of time they spend gathering data, which is qualitative too, uh, conversations with their customer success managers and everyone with uh, clients and, and all that. And you, you have a, I think what I'm hearing is you have a pretty large um, inventory <laughs> of, of experience insights and, and conversations to draw off of when you, when you do finally, um, uh, finally is the wrong word, but when you do challenge yourself here to, um, and I'm sure it's iterative, but Define the problem for branch. Um, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is you you probably have three or four problems that you could point to that you're solving, yeah. or whatever the number is. The, yeah. I think I think my challenge to you would be, and, and maybe you already have this, um, but as, as I'm sitting here wondering out loud, you know, is there a is there a deeper problem that maybe unites all of those that you're solving? You know, um, yeah, that. Yeah, because I, that, that I think that I think that oftentimes is what causes companies to get into a feature bloat scenario is that they actually mm. think they're solving they think they're solving four, five, six problems and they start chasing all of those as separate rabbit trails, right, with all the features yeah. and accoutrements that go with those problems. Right. Rather than rather than kind of having a let's solve that problem and then let's kind of return to home base and make progress on the deeper kind of root problem. So, yeah, I I think that's, that's the question. Is there a root problem that you're solving? And like part of the, the,
0: the refactoring stuff I'm working on now is because I realized that there is some problems that they care more about than other problems. And actually, I think, I think I actually, I have a natural tendency to kind of, Ask these sorts of questions, and kind of like trying to find out what the problem is. Because um, I was talking mm. to Rob about this the other day. Oh, actually, on the on the tiny seed mentor call, or like a, yeah, group call, about how I always when I talk to people about branch, I speak up, Like I talk about a version of branch that doesn't exist yet. So actually, it gives me an opportunity to try. Like I sometimes I just kind of say stuff, and then see how people react to it, and then you kind of. Get an idea about like which, what stuff they care about. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, have you had some thoughts about SimSAS?
1: I have, um, and this is something that I learned after I started development. Um, but maybe, maybe just a quick time time frame here. I started working. On just kind of the prototype and the idea of SimSass years ago it wasn't until earlier this year that I really launched a version that I was sharing with other people um, but as I was doing that initially I thought I was going to be um, selling it at a lower price point to founders much earlier in their journey so like you frankly like a, a Peter at mm-hmm. Branch saying you know what kind of business am I going to have and it was going to be more of a of a theoretical modeling tool or a, a tool you use before you even have revenue or you know, maybe you have a hundred dollars yeah. revenue, whatever it is. And which is more academic maybe, but I still thought, you know, this is a valuable tool and I'm not really sure how it's going to, it would take an awful lot of adoption and, and I had a lot of those thoughts to, you know, to get to scale and all that. Um, what I discovered in talking to folks was, um, and actually, I'll say initially, that was kind of validated by some of my conversations because a lot of early founders were very interested. And when I talked to later stage founders, they all said, well, I don't really forecast that often, so I'm not sure this is something I would pay for. And mm. I heard that from enough people that I started thinking to myself, okay, that bothers me, right? It bothers me that you're telling me the reason that the tool is valuable is because you don't do the behavior often today. Be, right, and and the reason is is that literally the purpose of the tool is to help you do it more often, right? And and it caused me to reframe the problem as the unifying problem. So I talked about investor edition and founder edition, um, which are not branded as such; they're just different kind of feature sets and use cases in the product. I talked about those earlier. The root problem that both of those uh, personas have is forecasting a business is too time consuming, hairy, messy, and difficult to do often. And so they don't do it. It's not that the output isn't valuable, but what I learned is it's so difficult that they just don't do it very often. And so I I actually, Mm. this is why the website, marketing site that I have right now says what it does, is a great teams forecast early and often. Because I did find a couple other teams and founders after that that said we forecast on a weekly basis and this is more around sales right sales is always forecasting right Um, financial Mm -hmm. ops has to forecast say once a month at best maybe quarterly maybe yearly right and most people just hate doing it because it is so expensive the point being the unifying problem the problem i found is that forecasting is so expensive and difficult um, for everybody so the solution that I need to bring to market the core, the, that they have in common is I need to make it exceedingly inexpensive and exceedingly fast and easy to forecast. And if I do that, kind of unlocks the value for all of those people because I, I warned you earlier that I think Branch and SimSAS actually have <laughs> something in common. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's Branch, but certainly the CICD world, right? Like you think about product development, What I'm basically encountering in the market for financial forecasting is similar to, I think, what product development and programming hit back when Agile was first introduced. It was, you know, you only release product once a quarter in the enterprise because why? It's so difficult, hairy, and expensive that you don't do it very often.
0: But that's the academia part.
1: Yeah, and it's also... That's not what you want, right? You want every, people want to release early and often, and they want to get their they want to get new features and value out there for their customers. And I kind of had this light bulb moment uh, about maybe one or two months ago that oh my gosh, <laughs> the the problem I'm solving is I'm I'm shifting forecasting from a once a blank process, uh, which is quarterly, monthly, sometimes yearly sometimes only when it absolutely must be done, right? Because I'm raising a round of funding or I'm going to sell the business to a, oh, this is so easy to do, right? I can continuously do this, right? I'm, I'm just doing this every day, right? Of course, I want to know where my business is headed yeah. tomorrow, right? Um, so that's the root problem I'm solving. And then it, that that kind of makes me then approach my product development with a mindset of, I want to develop the platform generically. And it's all about just very quickly and flexibly generating forecasts. And then everything I do on top of that is just how do I make it easy for a founder to very quickly and easily and cheaply generate a forecast, maybe while they're sleeping, right? And then how do I help them deliver that to the people that, that want to look at it, whether it's them, their team, their shareholders, whomever it is. And then on the investor side, it's, I want to be able to do that for 20 companies, 15 companies, a hundred companies, whatever it is, but they have that in common. Um, so that was a good break. That was a, a really powerful breakthrough for me because suddenly I just attacked the objection that I was getting. And once I started attacking the objection instead of accepting it, I said, Yeah, but wouldn't you don't you wish you could <laughs> uh forecast yeah. easily and all the time? Oh, of course. That would be great. And then and then immediately it's kinda like, Oh, that that would change a lot of things. <laughs> but um it was just interesting how their knee-jerk reaction is. I don't do it often, therefore I'm not sure it'd be valuable. Um, rather than saying, well, "Why don't I do it often?"
0: Um, I think it'd be interesting in another show if I kind of took you through some of the academia stuff on how, like the some of the value points of continuous integration, continuous delivery, and kind of we could yeah. kind of look through some of the benefits from a software development point of view, and then maybe kind of s- see how many of them actually compare or like translate into what you're trying to do with financial forecasting. Because maybe it'd be interesting and maybe it would give you some new, maybe ideas for how you can describe it or how like some of the benefits that you maybe haven't even thought about. Um, Because people have been doing a lot of research on these kinds of things in terms of software development. So yeah, maybe there's something there.
1: I, I think there is. That sounds like a great, great topic. Cool.
0: Should we call this episode three?
1: I think we should. Well,
0: until next... No, next week is probably going to be off.
1: Yep. But after next the 4th week. of July, the American holiday. <laughs> then we'll be back on track. Sounds good. All right. Until mid-July. Take
0: care and uh, enjoy your vacation.
1: <laughs> All right, Pete. And... uh Enjoy your travels and uh, try to cool down over there somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.